You know, you're a child of God. If you're a child of God here today, you are under attack. And the reason is, is that Satan, who once was Lucifer, was kicked out of heaven. He was kicked out of heaven for rebellion against God. And ever since that rebellion, ever since him being kicked out and in a real sense humiliated before all of the heavenly hosts, Lucifer was humiliated. And as a result, because Satan, and of course his name changed from Lucifer to Satan, but he now wants to hurt God's children. He has no power or authority over God. But you are God's children, and so he would love to hurt, harass, hinder you because you're a child of God. And so, as I said earlier, you are a target. You have a target on you. Now, if you're not a child of God, if you don't know the Lord here this morning, he wants to destroy your life too. (laughs) But you're already heading to hell. So he's content to let you head there. But if you're a child of God, you're a special target. And what we want to do is we want to look at how to recognize his attacks, how we can defend or overcome those attacks. And we want to be able, as God's people, to have a defense Because we have mighty weapons, mighty weapons of his warfare that he has given us. But the problem is, is that so many times we live far under what he has planned for us. I believe God has a great plan for every life. And we live under that. We live below his plan for our life. And so what I want to encourage you today is here by the Spirit of God what God is saying to you. We have enough difficulties in this world without having to deal with the attacks of the enemy. Now, I want to just say this as a general statement. Not everything that goes wrong in your life is the devil. Everybody understand that? Every time you get sick, it's not the devil. Sometimes you... Get sick. And so, you know, there are those who would try to make a blanket statement, say all sicknesses of the devil. No, that's not true. It's just not true. But I'm amazed how many times things are from the enemy. And we don't recognize it. And we just accept it. We just go along with it. So the key is allowing the Holy Spirit to teach us when we are under attack. And that if it is a spiritual attack, how do we deal with that? How do we respond? Because it's not a matter of whether or not you're going to be under attack. I think that's already established. You are going to be under attack. The real question here is how are you going to respond to it? And so that's what we want to look at. First thing that we want to talk about, we want to establish, and that is... uh, We must stay under God's protection. Say that with me. We must stay under 
God's protection. A couple of verses I want us to look at. Key verses. First John uh, chapter 5, verse 18. We know that whoever is born of God does not sin. Now, some of the translations will change that, but surely the tense of that does not sin implies does not practice sin, does not make a practice of sin. It's not trying to say we're perfect and that we never make a mistake or we never sin. It's saying he who is born of God does not make a practice, a way of life of sin. But he who has been born of God, that's us, born again, keeps himself. Interesting phrase there. Keeps himself. And the wicked one does not touch him. Interesting. Now, in order to fully understand that, I want you to look at something Jesus said in John chapter 14. Kind of gives a little understanding of that term, keeps himself. Look at John uh, chapter 14, verse 30. This is Jesus talking, and he says, I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. Interesting. He has nothing in me. So what is Jesus saying? He is simply saying the devil doesn't have any footholds for him to attack me. He has nothing in me. And the key of First John five eighteen, he who is born of God keeps himself... It's really just saying that we want to make sure we don't give a foothold for the devil. We want to make sure our life is filled with righteousness and holiness and walking in God's ways and listening to God's heart and having a heart after God and all of the other things the Word of God teaches us. And as a result, we keep ourselves and we don't give the devil a foothold. Everybody understand foothold. It is an area that you give the enemy the opportunity to wedge his way into your life and to attack you and to establish. You You say, what does the enemy really want to do? Well, what the enemy wants to do, he wants to establish a stronghold. He doesn't just want to attack you and harass you. He's out to destroy you. His ultimate goal is to rob, kill, and destroy. So he's not just content. He wants to do a little harassment, just, you know, irritate you. That's not his goal. His goal is to destroy you. And in order to destroy you, he wants to establish a stronghold that you feel like you can't overcome. And then that stronghold ends up destroying you. So our job, our responsibility is to make sure there are no footholds, no openings that the enemy would come in and begin to destroy our life. And I want to say this to parents. Parents, you have a prime responsibility to cover and protect your children. And you are the first line of defense for your children from Satan's attacks. You are the authority in their life 
Satan respects authority. And when the authority and that home and that family are not walking with God and you've allowed footholds in your life and you've allowed strongholds in your life, Satan will use that to attack your children. You say, well, that's not fair. (laughs) You think the devil cares about being fair? He wants to destroy you and your children. And in the same way that the enemy wants to get back at God by attacking his children, that's us, then he wants to get at you by attacking your children. He's always trying to circumvent authority by attacking the ones who are not in authority. And so that's why it's so important as parents, God's people, that we have a strong line of defense against the enemy. Now, how do we do that? Well, primarily, the biggest foothold. Actually, there are two biggies, but I'm going to cover one because we've covered the other one. Uh, Unforgiveness and rebellion are the two greatest footholds for the enemy. I preached two messages recently from two different aspects about unforgiveness. So I'm not going to cover unforgiveness, but I want to talk to you about rebellion. Rebellion becomes, it's not just a foothold. Rebellion is a highway (laughs) for Satan to come in and and bring destruction. A couple of verses, uh, a passage in 1 Samuel chapter 15, amazing passage actually. This is Samuel talking to Saul. Samuel says, why haven't you obeyed the Lord? Why did you rush for the plunder and do what was evil in the Lord's sight? But I did obey the Lord, Saul insisted. I carried out the mission he gave me. I brought back King Agag, but I destroyed everyone else. Then my troops brought in the best of the sheep, the goat, the cattle, and the plunder to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. But Samuel replied, what is more pleasing to the Lord? Your burnt offerings and sacrifices are your obedience to his voice. Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice. And submission is better than offering the fat of rams. And rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft and stubbornness as bad as worshiping idols. So, because you have rejected the command of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. God gave Saul clear instructions. Saul did not follow those instructions. And when he didn't, And Samuel brought it to his attention. Saul tried to justify his actions by saying, well, I I almost did everything right. And then my troops, they, they did some things that were wrong. He's passing the buck. He's trying to deny that he did anything wrong. And Samuel is trying to get through to him, but he doesn't. And notice what he says. Rebellion. It's like the sin of witchcraft. And it shows you the importance 
that God puts on rebellion. There's another story in the book of Jeremiah about a prophet named Hananiah. Look at this passage. It's in Jeremiah chapter 28. Then the prophet Jeremiah Jeremiah said to Hananiah, the prophet, Hear now, Hananiah, the Lord has not sent you, but you make this people trust in a lie. So there's lots of pastors, preachers, teachers, prophets out there that say they hear from God and say they believe in God and say they speak for God. I just want to tell you, not everybody who says they speak for God are really speaking for God. You need to understand that. Old Testament, New Testament, same thing. Therefore, thus says the Lord, behold, I will cast you from the face of the earth. This year you shall die because you have taught what? Rebellion against the Lord. So Hananiah the prophet died the same year in the seventh month. God takes rebellion seriously. You see, rebellion, and you say, well, why? Why is this such a big issue? Rebellion is what got Lucifer into trouble. Lucifer rebelled against God by saying, I'm going to do what I want to do. I want to be God of my own life. I want to be like the Most High. I'm going to exalt my throne above the throne of God. And I don't want to listen to God. I want to do my own thing. And so he rebelled against God. And he tried to incorporate the other angels to rebel against God and got one-third of them to follow him. And here Hananiah, not only was he speaking a lie, not only was he teaching the people a lie, he was teaching them rebellion. And God considers it serious. And I just want to encourage you that if you have rebellion in your heart, it starts in the heart. You understand that. Rebellion begins as an attitude. Y'all, y'all, how many teachers do we have here? Let me see teachers. Have y'all ever, ever come against rebellion in the classroom? <laughs> if you're alive, you have. Well, it, there's a progression. It's pretty simple. It starts out rebellion is the attitude. Then it gets into the words, and then soon it will get into actions. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know how you were raised, but my father believed that attitude was just as important as actions. I remember distinctly a, a situation where I had done something wrong I'd, and, and I'd smarted off to my mom. And my mom uh, raised five of us kids uh, she's legally blind, legally deaf, and yet she got through pretty good. And uh, one of the big rules was you, you're disrespectful to mom, then you have hell to pay when dad comes home. Well, when dad got home, mom just mentioned to him that I'd smarted off to her. So uh, he decided the easy way this time. He said, I want you to apologize to your mama. So, as he walked out of the room, I apologized, but I said it in a real sarcastic way, thinking my daddy didn't hear that. Well, my daddy, I figured out, has supersonic, supernatural hearing. (laughs) 
He's in, he's gotta be 40 feet and he hears me say that real softly. And I want to say he whirled on a dime, came back in there, got in my face and he readjusted my attitude. <laughs> if you know what I mean. He made some readjustments to my attitude and reminded me real clearly that attitude was just as important as your actions. Because if you don't deal with attitude, eventually it will get into your words and then eventually it will cause your actions. You know, you see the progression even in Proverbs chapter 4. And this is, you know, starts out with this familiar verse in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Guard your heart above all else. King James says, guard your heart with with all diligence. For from the heart flows the issues of life. Look at this translation. He says, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. But look at the progression. Avoid all perverse talk. So it starts out with your words. Stay away from corrupt speech and then look straight ahead. It jumps to your eyes, what you're looking. Fix your eyes on what lies before you. Then now, verse 26, mark out a straight path for your feet. So it went from your mouth to your eyes, but it got down to your feet. That's the progression. Make out, mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. Because attitude will eventually cause you to walk in ways that you regret. So I want to encourage you. Do not allow rebellion in your heart. And if you have rebellion against authority, God even takes it more serious. You know, he told Samuel. Samuel came to the Lord one time and and said, Lord, I don't know what I'm doing. They've... They're mad at me. They're complaining about me. And God said this to Samuel. He said, Samuel, he said, they haven't rejected you. They've rejected me. And they're taking it out on you. And that's what happens when we rebel against God. We take it out on the person who's in authority. So I want to encourage you. Search your heart. If you want to have the ability to overcome the enemy and overcome the attacks of the enemy... This is one way we keep ourselves: is make sure there's no rebellion in our heart. No unforgiveness, no rebellion. And then that leads you to really the, a key part, and that is our home must be under the authority of Jesus. Say that out loud with me. Our home must be, un, be under the authority of Jesus. Now, there's several things. I have quite a bit I want to say about this. Because this is so important. First, first verse I want you to look at is Luke chapter 10. It talks about uh, Jesus is talking to his disciples. When the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us. When we use your name. Yes, he told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. And that's kind of a reference to Satan's power and authority that was pulled down. Remember that Satan was thrown out of heaven. And then verse 19, look, I have given you, talking to his disciples, authority over all of the power of the enemy. And you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. Now, I personally believe that this was uh, an analogy when it talks about 
walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. He's talking about the demonic powers and principalities. I do not encourage you to walk among snakes. You know, don't, don't do that. Don't get a, a whole thing of rattlesnakes and say, I'm going to test the Word of God here. Don't do that. I think that's not what he's talking about. He's just saying, you know, you're going to crush the enemy. The demon powers have no power and authority over you. Nothing will injure you. End of verse 19. Look at 20, though. But don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. Get excited because your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Don't get all excited about the demons and, and they, they obey you. Get excited about that you are, you are a child of God. Why? Because that's where the authority comes from. He's saying, listen, you really have no authority. The authority is in the name of Jesus. The authority is in who Jesus is. Jesus has all authority over the demon powers. And as you walk in his authority, then you have great authority over the enemy. So... He's trying to show us something. You know, it tells us that in James 4, 7, humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and what's he going to do? He will flee from you. So the key is to learn how to resist the enemy. We literally have to resist the enemy. Another verse, I love this passage in Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, and we're just going to go 10 to 13. You could talk about the armor of God, but I love verse 10 to 13. A final word, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategy of the, of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood in, enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then, after the battle, you will still be standing firm. So, the picture here is that he did not want you defenseless against the enemy. So, I encourage you that when you feel like all hell is coming against you, And the enemy has come in like a flood to overwhelm you. Then it is time to get on your armor. To get the weapons of your warfare. And to begin to use the most powerful weapon you have. The weapon that you have to use is right under your nose. The words of your mouth. And this is usually the greatest mistake people make. They get under great attack. They get discouraged. They get despondent. They get depressed. They want to give up. And they just, oh, woe is me. Oh, my goodness, I can't believe all this is happening. And this is happening. And this is happening. And they want to talk about how bad the problems are and how bad the situation is. And they're using their mouth a lot, but they're not using it to do the one thing that they should be doing, and that is speaking the power of God's Word to 
overcome the enemy and literally, what did it say in James 4, 7? Resist the enemy and he's going to flee from you. How do you resist the enemy? You resist the enemy by the words of your mouth. You do not outthink the devil. You don't have a mind game to try and outthink the enemy as he's putting all sorts of wrong thoughts in your mind. It doesn't work that way. You have to speak. And I know I say this all the time. I encourage you to do this. But again, this is a key element of being able to overcome the attacks of the enemy. And I see God's children, God's people so many times undergoing attacks. And all they can do is talk about how bad the attack is. And, you know, that really doesn't help us a whole lot. We all get around and have a great pity party and all talk about how bad things are and and how difficult life is and how the enemy is, is attacking you. But if you would use all those words and get them focused, I just want to give you three areas that are powerful. The name of Jesus the blood of Jesus, and the power of the Holy Spirit. You get all those three going. I want to tell you, the enemy's backing up. He's not backing up. He's running the other way. Let's look at what God says. First one, the name. We can declare the name of Jesus over our home. Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 through 11. Powerful passage. Though he was God, he did not think equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position as a slave, was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, because of what what he did, what he did on the cross, therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above All other names that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and in heaven, on earth and where under the earth. That's the demonic powers. And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the father. I want to tell you, there's power in the name of Jesus. When you are under attack and Satan is giving your children fits or your finances are under attack you need to begin to declare the name of jesus the name of jesus over your home and over your family and over your finances why because he's given him a name that is above every other name that at the name of jesus every power and principality has to submit on the earth on the earth in the heaven and under the earth It's a name above every other name. The blood. We can declare the blood of Jesus over our home, over our life. A couple of verses. First one, Hebrews 2.14. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could He die. And only by dying could He break the power of the devil who had the power of death. So 
How did he break the power of the devil? He did it at the cross by dying on the cross. So therefore, when you declare the blood of Jesus, you are declaring the cross. You are declaring the defeat of Satan at the cross. And look at Exodus, just a couple of verses in Exodus, uh, verse 7 and verse 13 in Exodus 12. This just gives us a picture from the Old Testament. Verse 7 and 13 from Exodus. 7 says, And they are to take some of the blood and smear it on the sides and on the top of the door frames of the houses where they eat the animal. And then verse 13 says this, But the blood on your doorpost will serve as a what? As a sign. Marking the houses where you're staying. When I see the blood, I'll pass over you. The plague of death will not touch you when I strike the land of Egypt. And that picture, and it was just a picture. But when the death angel that God sent to claim the firstborn, he said, when I see the blood, I will pass over. And that's why it tells us Jesus is our Passover lamb. Because when Jesus died for us, he became the reason why God can pass over our sin. That He doesn't have to hold us accountable for our sin. That He can forgive us of our sin because Jesus is the Passover Lamb. And that night, it's the night before they are set free from Egypt. He told them to take the blood and put it on the doorpost. And then He said, this blood, it's going to be a sign. And... What, a, what an amazing sign. You know, if you fast-forwarded thousands of years from that day, you see Jesus, hands with nails, just like on the doorpost. A crown of thorns, blood at the top, and blood at the bottom. He was a picture of that door that night in Passover. He was an amazing picture that when God sees your sin, He passes over because of the blood of Jesus. And the enemy, the enemy knows what Jesus did at the cross. Jesus knows. And remember what we read in Hebrews 2.14. He said, it is him dying on the cross that broke the power of the enemy. You see, when Jesus said, it is finished, one of the things that he said right before he died, he said, it is finished. That was referring to our redemption, but it was also referring to the devil's defeat. He knew this dying on the cross would be the final end of Satan. It would be the final defeat of Satan. Satan had a hold over mankind. He had the power to cause people to do what he wanted them to do. He had the power of sin and death reigned in our bodies. Because of Adam, that sin nature kept passing from generation to generation. And we all had the law of sin and death. That's LSD. The law of sin and death. It reigned in our members. And even when we wanted to do right, we didn't do right. 
And when we wanted, we couldn't even do right if we wanted to. It was a loss and a death in our bodies. And yet Jesus breaks the power of sin in our life. And the blood of Jesus reminds the devil that he was defeated at the cross. So if you want to use something powerful, declare the blood of Jesus is over your home. Devil, you take, you let go of my family. You let go of my children by the blood of Jesus. You have been defeated by the blood of Jesus. And the name of Jesus is above every other name. It is the most powerful thing you can do to overcome the attacks of the enemy by getting involved and beginning to declare the power of the name of Jesus and the power of the blood of Jesus. Both of those refer to the cross. The name that is above every other name is the name that was given because of the cross. And the blood reminds the enemy what happened at the cross. And then the third area, we could declare the Holy Spirit in our life. Thank God we have the Holy Spirit. One of His job is comforter, protector. And the Holy Spirit protects and comforts us. And the Holy Spirit is part of the Godhead. And I believe we can declare... The Holy Spirit watches over our homes and establishes His angels. How many of you believe in angels? I believe in angels. I believe God has established angels to watch over us and help us and protect us. And the Holy Spirit, I believe, is in charge of the angels of God, sending them and assigning them. And we can believe and declare, Holy Spirit, I ask you for protection in my home. Cover me and protect me and charge your angels to watch over me and guard me. You know, in the Old Testament, it was the oil. You know, when you come down to the front and we pray for you, we anoint you with oil. Because all through the Word, they used oil and that oil was a symbol of the Holy Spirit. It was a symbol of the anointing of God. A couple of cool verses, really interesting verses. One in Exodus chapter 40, verse 9. Take the anointing oil and anoint the tabernacle and all its furnishings to consecrate them and to make them holy. And then another verse in Isaiah 10:27, interesting verse. It shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. And again, it is a picture of the oil in our life. Now, let me just talk about what it was saying in Exodus 40. Every vessel, they would take the vessels... And they would anoint those vessels to be used by the Lord. And those vessels would be anointed with oil. And what does that say? That is setting apart, or another word for that, sanctification, which is just a fancy word that means to set apart. So what are they doing? They would take that bowl. 
It's just a normal bowl, but they would make it holy and sanctified under the Lord, set apart under the Lord by anointing it with oil. And when they did that, they were saying, this doesn't belong anywhere except in God's house anymore. Now, this belongs to God, and this is going to be used for God and by God, so therefore it is now holy. So the oil was placed as a symbol that this now belonged to God. So let me just ask you for a moment. When you get born again, what does he do in your life? He fills you with the Holy Spirit. So what is God doing? We have the Holy Spirit both in us and upon us. So what's God doing? He is setting you apart, holy and sanctified. And he is telling the devil, this vessel belongs to me. This vessel doesn't belong to you, devil. This vessel is anointed and set apart for God, and you must take your hands off. No trespassing. And when we declare the Holy Spirit is a part of our life and over our life and protects us and covers us, we are declaring that the Holy Spirit has set us apart unto himself. And you're just putting up a big trespassing, no trespassing sign to the devil, saying, devil, get out of here. This was this vessel doesn't belong to you anymore. Now, just a suggestion. If you're under tremendous attack of the enemy, I encourage you. Men, take the lead in this. Get some olive oil. You could use anointing oil, like some olive oil. It doesn't matter. I don't think the matter type of oil is all that important. Don't use WD-40. Um, <laughs> it's just not spiritual. Psst, psst, you know, don't do that. Um, but get some olive oil. And I just want to encourage you to anoint your home. Anoint your home. If you're under attack, get some oil and get your family together. And begin to pray and to declare. And you can get your kids involved in this. And anoint your home. Especially your main entrances. And declare the blood of Jesus. Declare the name of Jesus. And declare the Holy Spirit is over your home. And you're just telling the enemy. Leave me alone. Get out of here. You have no right here. You have no authority here. And your attacks against me must cease. Now, I, I, I just put a simple prayer, just wrote a simple prayer. Put it, it's in your handout. I'm going to read it to you. Heavenly Father, I declare that our home is under the authority of Jesus. Satan has been defeated by Jesus at the cross and he has no authority over me or my home. I declare the name of Jesus over my family. His name is above every other name, and His name covers our home. I declare the blood of Jesus is our protection from all of the attacks of the enemy. The blood of Jesus covers us and protects us. I declare the Holy Spirit watches over our home, and the angels of God are on guard to defend us against every attack of the enemy. Teach us, Lord, to walk in Your authority. Thank You, Lord, for Your covering and Your protection. You can use your own words or you can read that or kind of paraphrase that. But the key is that you're using the big three. 
the blood, the name, and the power of the Holy Spirit. They remind the enemy. It's the way we resist the enemy. And he flees from us. So, if you don't mind, I'd like to ask you to join with me in just declaring that over your homes. Or maybe your future home. Okay? You do that with me? Stand to your feet. Put that prayer back up if you would. get that prayer back up there that we just read there we go let's declare it out loud together you can raise your hand you can whatever let's just read it together and declare it together ready heavenly father i declare that our home is under the authority of jesus satan has been defeated by jesus at the cross and he has no authority over me or my home I declare the name of Jesus over my family. His name is above every other name, and His name covers our home. I declare the blood of Jesus is our protection from all of the attacks of the enemy. The blood of Jesus covers us and protects us. I declare the Holy Spirit watches over our home, and the angels of God are on guard to defend us against every attack of the enemy. Teach us, Lord, to walk in your authority. Thank you, Lord, for your protection and your covering. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Let me just say this. Acts 19, there's a story. Seven sons of Svika heard Paul cast out some demons and so these seven sons religious guys they don't know the Lord but they decide they're going to cast out some demons and so if you read the passage this is what they say They say, we cast you out in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. And that demon spoke up and said this, I know Paul and I know Jesus, but I don't know you. What does that tell us? First thing that it told me is that demons know us by name. The demons know your name and address. The second thing it tells me, and that is, you have no power, no authority over the enemy unless you know the Lord. Unless you're born again. All this that I've talked about this morning, it has no power, no effect, no good for you unless you know Jesus. You have to have that personal relationship with Jesus. So I'm going to ask you to bow your head right now. All of this room, Holy Spirit is speaking. There are some people in this room, you have no power, no authority over the enemy. And he has been tossing you up one side and down the other. He's been attacking you and your family and your children.
Maybe you walked into this room wondering, thinking, I wonder why I'm under such attack. And the Lord wants you to know this morning that you must first know Jesus by being born again. And if you will be born again, then you become a child of God. And then you can use all the power and the authority of the name of Jesus. You're here this morning. And you want to know Him. You want to be born again. You want to have that relationship with Jesus. You know you don't have it. I'm going to ask you just to slip up your hand. Anybody in here? You want that. You know you need that. Anybody? Anybody else? A couple of hands. Thank you. Worship team is going to sing. Going to sing that song about how majestic is His name. And as they sing that song, I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to ask you if you would just slip out of your seat. Come down here. If you want to know Jesus, come into a relationship with Him and know Him. I'm going to ask you just quickly, make your way out of your seat. Come down here. I want to pray with you. There are some people here this morning. You, he has you here this morning because you need to come to Him and surrender your life. How majestic is your name. Anybody? Jesus, wonderful, powerful. Anybody? You're the Lord of all. Yes. How majestic is your name. Anybody else? You want to come? Yes. Anybody else you want to come? Yes. Thank you, young man. Thank you. Yes, Lord. Anybody else? Amen. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming down today. Young man. Thank you for coming today. Anybody else? We'll wait just a minute. You know you need to turn your life over to you know so many times we need to start over and this is this is the way to start over and that is turn your life over to Jesus. Turn your life over to him and say, Lord, I've messed up my life and I need you to change my life. Anybody? Give you just a minute. All right, I'm gonna pray. Just want to lead you in prayer. And when you pray this prayer. You're asking Him to come into your life and take over. He will change you from the inside out. Amen? Amen. All right, let's just pray. Y'all are welcome to pray with us out here. Pray out loud. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I love you, Lord. I declare the name of Jesus is Lord in my life. The blood of Jesus forgives me of all of my sin. Come into my heart, Lord, and take over. Be Lord of my life. Change me, Lord, from the inside out. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and cause me to walk in your ways, Lord. Thank you, Father, for helping me. I thank you today. I am born again Filled with the Holy Spirit, forgiven by the blood of Jesus, 
and I will never be the same. I am a child of God. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Bless you, Lord.